What up, Bulls Nation? And welcome into the CHGO Bulls Podcast presented by PointsBet. Don't forget that promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. Happy Thursday, everybody. I'm Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. That's the goat leave right there. You can follow him uh, on Twitter at WontGotLeave. Our pal Mark K right down here at MK Hoops. Good night, Mark. That way, Big Dave, bow, BNWL Sports on Twitter. Lots to get to today, gentlemen. We're going to talk a little bit more about Billy's playoff rotation, which uh, Will and Mark, you guys wrote a great back and forth column about, also broke down in that YouTube video. Uh, We're going to talk about DeMar DeRozan and sort of his reputation as being a guy who can't get it done in the playoffs from his years in Toronto. We'll wrap up with a couple of potential swing factor players for the Bulls who might help them win a game in this series or win the series. No. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so let's start here. Um, Mark and Will, whichever you want to take the lead on this, um, that playoff rotation like thing that you built, uh, looking at it and basically wondering between how many minutes can Billy afford to play some of these bench players versus how much does he really ride his starters? Where where are you guys in, in that as far as what you might guess we see in game one of this series on Sunday take it away Mark yeah well look I, th- I think I think we were being conservative about it if, if anything I think Will and I had you know Zach and, and DeMar slated and, and Vooch too I think for around 38 minutes and I would not be surprised at all particularly DeMar and Zach that you know they're playing 41 42 maybe 44 minutes because we've seen Billy do that in the regular season now, part of that is because the rotation's been challenged throughout the year with injuries and COVID and that sort of stuff. But like these dudes have already had countless games where they've played, you know, at least 40 odd minutes. So I think it's fair to say that we were being conservative. And, and we noted on the in the written form as well on the YouTube that like this was the idealized version of, of things, like assuming the Bulls are winning by 10, 15 points. You don't necessarily have to lean on your guys as heavily as, as maybe, you know, what Billy ultimately will or you're down 10 or 15 points. Or, <laughs> maybe that's more relevant, more relevant. But I, I suppose we, we did make the, the note there that, you know, Billy can adjust on the fly. This is the base rotation, how it's going to be set. And if for whatever reason, Kobe's not playing well, I is not getting it together in his first go around, maybe even Pat or whoever it may be, then you took up DeMar's minutes, you took up Zach's minutes, those sorts of things. And then, you know, quickly those guys could be playing 40-odd minutes a game. So I think that's probably more likely than what Will and I had. But uh, I think from a pure baseline perspective, I think we've got it right. Yeah, I, for me, like the day before we did this, Billy basically said like minutes caps are out the window in the playoffs because you don't have back-to-backs, mm-hmm. that you're up against the end of the season here. Like this is why you play. And so we're putting this together and kind of like sliding the the bars across for – you know, giving guys minutes and you get to a certain point where it's like, when do they rest? Like, when do you take them out? Like these guys are playing for like 12, 14 straight minutes. It's like insane. Um, And so I think that for me felt like a reason to like peel back the minutes a little bit, but I I do agree with what Mark said, as far as like this being sort of a baseline. Um, And the more I think about it, I guess Zach, Damar, Vooch are the consistent pieces. Caruso, you can throw in there as well who are going to play, I would say, anywhere from 38 to 42, 44 even minutes. And then for me, like we, we talked about an eight or nine man rotation. And I think, you know, guys like Io, Javante, even Derek Jones, Tristan, these guys are probably going to 
get in, get an opportunity and have a pretty short leash where the Bulls just can't afford to have these guys not playing at their best. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Billy go a little deeper into the rotation, but have a super quick leash with the guys who aren't playing well and, and ramp up the minutes for the guys who step up. Yeah. I, when I was watching you, I found it that part interesting is Javante green. Cause you know, of course, you know, Mark has got, you know, all the love in the world for Javante and to make that hard decision to say that he wouldn't, he would be the odd man out kind of, you know, in the playoff rotation. I found that interesting to for a guy that goes from your starting lineup to basically not in your playoff rotation and things like that. Can you guys kind of touch on that? Why you think he will be the odd man now? Is it just because he won't play at his best or does it have to do more so with the matchup as well? I, th- I think part of it's just naturally the rotation getting trimmed. Like at the moment, Billy's leaning on nine guys and the ninth guy currently is Javante and I mean, he's he's barely playing at this point. Like, he, he, he well, towards the back end of the season, he was playing, you know, five minutes here, five minutes there, depending on where the game is swinging. Um, and, and as Pat sort of started to merge towards the, the back end of the season, it, it kind of felt like Javante was going to be the odd man out. Now, maybe we're completely wrong in this. Maybe, you know, Billy loves Javante so much that he he leans more on Javante than a Kobe, for example. But I, I guess, like, I'm of, the, I'm of the view that if anything's going to happen with the rotation, like, nine is going to become eight, and eight might even become seven, to be honest with you. So I think I think it's probably natural that someone like Javante goes out of the rotation. And, and to be fair, I think it's probably easier to do as well because there's less politics around that as well. Like, he has started a lot this season, but, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a minimum salary guy. The guy he's competing with minutes for is, you know, the former number four pick. Um, he, it's either that or he's playing minutes that Caruso could be playing. You need Kobe shooting in this one. We'll talk about that later in terms of swing factors. And then I, like Io's earned it just as much as Javante. So to me, like he's probably the prime candidate to, to get his minutes cut. Um, maybe you throw him in there just like as Will said, as, a, as someone to see how he's performing. And then based on how he is performing, that determines the next steps from there. But, you know, to me, at least, even though I am a, a Javante stan, it, it definitely makes objective sense for him to be the uh, the odd man out at this point, if you are trimming the rotation to seven or even eight guys. I think this project that we did assumes that Pat's going to play super well because we gave yeah. him like 34 minutes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that could very well not be the case, right? Like we've True. seen very, like very much two sides of Pat on, on any given night. Um, the other thing is I went back and watched all these games again. And Javante did a fantastic job on Giannis um, through the first six or eight minutes of the, I can't remember if it was the most recent game or the one before that. Um, and then he came out uh, because he was sick or something like that. Uh, but he looked really good. He was giving Giannis a really hard time. And I think the the thing for me that stood out in rewatching these games is getting into Giannis, getting into his airspace, preventing him from being able to put the ball on the floor and drive is a much more effective way to guard him than pulling back, letting him get ahead of steam. And like the idea of sort of not letting him beat you off the dribble, containing and keeping him in front of you. I don't think that works as well. And I think Javante Caruso are much more equipped to guard him than say Tristan. So I think the real question here, and I would love to hear Dave, especially what you think about this, because I know you're a big Tristan guy, but for me, it's like you're picking between all these guys that are 6'4", 6'5", and like somebody's going to have to get cut out of the rotation here. Whereas Tristan, he's definitely got the size and you kind of have to budget that into the rotation because I just don't see Derek Jones or Pat playing minutes at the five against Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, and Giannis. Yeah, my main thing when 
why I wanted Tristan so much was well, one, the size, two, the offensive rebounding, and three, if they have to play the Bucks, you got another big body. I, I said that a bunch of times. And, you know, well, you haven't seen a lot of the one and two, to, just being real about it, you know what I mean, of why, you know, you want them in here. And but three, he's big. Like you can't lose that. You are who you are in that sense. So and personally, and just to say it simply, he's got six fouls. Like he's got six fouls to use. And I expect him to use all of them when he goes in. If he's gonna go in the paint and play a guy like Giannis or play uh even Robin Lopez, he's gonna have to use all six of those fouls. Now, I think you guys did a great job also pointing out he hasn't done a great job uh going against the Bucks, especially the way he's guarded uh Giannis, just letting him get a free run at the rim. You know how Giannis, you know, backs up, gets a running start, and he's gone kind of thing. And Tristan would, would be like, okay, sure, go ahead and do that. And it never, and it never led to anything good, shocking, shockingly. But his size is going to be the reason he is going to play in this series because you're going to look at him, and then you're going to look at the alternative, which is Tony Bradley. And if you're – I mean, as bad as he's going to play, you're going to take Tristan in that alternative. Look at Matt. He can't even – I can't even say the name without hurting Nur- that. that. Right there. You know what I'm saying? I can't even say but his I, name without that. Go ahead. I, I think you're right, too, about the fouls. Like, that in and of itself is a strategy. I mean, Giannis has proven at the highest level he can make his free throws, 15 of 17 in game six of the finals last year. Yes. But yes. if he's got a weakness in his game, that's probably it. So, you know, you could strategically use Tristan in that sense, as long as you're not letting him get that head of steam, finishing at the rim and fouling him, right. like really making sure to actually – prevent him from getting those shots up those hard fouls that matt peck is always so keen on yes that's what uh, we, need. we need more of those especially going against uh, a guy like Giannis. our guy joey said tristan can be uh our will purdue uh <laughs> if you guys uh, didn't catch it yesterday we had our guy will purdue in studio and he was talking about when he was uh, part of a big man rotation in san antonio with with david and tim uh the big fundamental and the admiral talked about like well so here's here's your job um you're gonna go up there and you're gonna soak up a whole bunch of fouls and <laughs> like that i but I, i'm with i think like consensus here and that i i don't feel all that confident about tristan being some kind of rim protector because we haven't seen him be um sure give him credit for fighting uh underneath the hoop you know uh fighting for offensive boards and drawing fouls that way but as far as rim protector, that's just not there. But again, based on everything we've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you've heard of something different recently, Will, when you've been at shootarounds this week, but it sounds like Billy's even n- not only planning on keeping Tristan in this rotation, but even looking at the possibility of playing him on the floor with Vooch, which we've yeah. seen. And that's, I, that's the part that I just can't wrap my head around because we've seen it and we know that it's blue. bad. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mark had the tweet. I don't know the numbers off the top, but uh, it, it just doesn't work. And I, and I get it from like the perspective of you want size out there. The bucks are huge, but that only works if like the size is helping you in some capacity. And I just don't think it has like the sample is small, but the sample has come against the bucks because that's when they've tried this lineup. And so um, for me, it doesn't really make sense, but then you look at the alternative and it's Vooch playing 48 minutes, which I, he's going to have to play a lot of minutes, but that's impossible. And Derek Jones or Patrick playing at the five. And I think you're bleeding defensive rebounds at that point. So uh, the Bulls just don't have a lot of good options. This is definitely going to be an area where AK and Eversley need to uh, bolster the back end of the rotation in the summer. But for now, I mean, they're going to have to scrap together minutes, whether it's super small or super big. But I don't think 
I think we can all agree that none of them are like the perfect scenario. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Mark, I I heard you talk a lot about well, we've heard you talk a lot about uh, Derek Jones Jr. You know, being your guy at the five, and I'm sure you want him in there. And I like how you said on, on the podcast, like how much you like. Yeah, I would love to have him in here, but realistically, you you have to uh, provide Tristan those minutes. But and a lot of what you said over the uh, reasoning of why you want him in there, you you're like, okay, you'll give up the size, you know, you'll give up the rebounding those things but it's the spacing you know what i'm saying and the things like that that he kind of provides you but against a team like the bucks with their size and how big they are can you really afford to give up that rebounding can you give afford to give up that interior to a team that likes to go inside and things like that do you think that that can still work if you put Derek jones jr in there look probably not uh, and look coming back to what will and i wrote and spoke about on the youtube video like we took it from the perspective of what Billy will do based on what Billy has done. We didn't come at it from the view of we're just these two idiots on, online who uh, like to spat off opinions who are going to form our own rotation based on nothing. Although like, that is very much the case. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is definitely true. But at the same time, I like to think we're objective about it. Like we talked about Javante we being my guy, but I had him basically only playing five minutes a game. If that, to the Derek Jones Jr. question, like it, it's an interesting one because like it's a philosophical one. Because do you try to match up with your, the, your opponent and try to, I guess, do what they're doing to a sense? Or do you try to dictate turns by, you know, doing something completely different that may be catastrophic, but at the same time, maybe you, you find a, a niche or an advantage that maybe they weren't necessarily expecting you to find or potentially you weren't even expecting yourself to find. So it's an interesting one. Personally, like it's probably it's it's not going to happen. Like I, I, as much as I would like to see it happen, it's not going to happen. Like if Billy's already thinking about the idea of playing Tristan at power forward, then we know he's clearly going to be the backup center. If he's already thinking about him being a backup power forward too, so there's no way that um, Derek Jones is going to get minutes. Would I like to see it? I think you can do it depending on who the Bucks have on the floor. Like they're a huge team, but if they have a lineup where Serge is out there playing center or something like that, then then maybe like that's a situation when you can do it against Brooke and Giannis type lineups, maybe less so. But at the same time, like it, you have to judge what Tristan is giving you. Like, is, is he giving you anything? And if not, what is he taking off the floor? And, and I, I think he does take off more than what he brings on it. So if that's the case, if you're losing out with him on it, you know, if, if you're down 2-0 when you're approaching game three or something like that, try something funky. We want to see, I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking about adjustments throughout the series. To me, like that, that's a prime example of one that maybe you know Billy can swing to. I don't think it's going to be a preference or something he leans on initially, but maybe bit, um, to, towards the back end of the series, we get something like that. The other thing that I thought was interesting um, watching you guys break down the rotation, um, and I think it's maybe something that you mentioned, Mark, is orchestrating, <clears throat> orchestrating it in a way so Billy never has the trio of young guys on the floor together just because it's a playoff, you know, atmosphere that they have no experience with. And when I say trio, I mean, Patrick, uh, Kobe and Io. Mm-hmm. I mean, d- does that factor into, you know, the, so you guys had Caruso starting and, and maybe this is also a question for you too, Will, based on what you've heard from them at practice this week, it seemed like we just kind of skated right over the assumption that Alex Caruso is going to be, fully healthy and ready to play a full allotment of minutes after missing the last handful of games down the stretch of the season with that back injury. Is, is that, is that the case? Is he going to be fully available? And and if so, if they're going to be dealing with like some kind of minutes limit with Caruso, then, then you're starting to talk about having too many minutes of Kobe and Io on the floor together. Yeah. I think that 
you know, we can all agree that that's probably not the best case scenario just because like, I mean, Kobe, Io, Pat are three guys that one haven't been there, don't have the experience, but two, like, I don't really trust any of those guys in super high leverage situations to be bringing the ball up against Drew Holiday. You know, like I don't I don't trust their handle that much. I don't trust their decision making that much. They're all fine players, but I think you have to have experienced guys out there, whether it's Caruso, DeMar, Zach uh, or Vooch to just be able to be sort of that steady outlet. As far as Caruso's health, um, very much the the it's hanging in the balance right like same thing with zach same thing with lonzo like these guys are in and they have a chance or they're out and they don't have a chance so it sounds like caruso is feeling good i mean he basically said like i'm feeling as good as i can at you know given the circumstances at this point um that doesn't really sound like he's 100 but i do think that time off has helped him a lot um the bulls seem to be very intentionally trying to strike a balance balance between um staying fresh staying um like rested but also not getting rusty during this time so during this week off uh so i assume caruso will be all right and i think for zach too having these days off in between games will really go a long way where they're not feeling super overloaded even if they're getting 38 40 42 minutes in any given game Mm -hmm. yeah and to that as well like we've assumed pat is going to start because you know, logically, you want him on Giannis. But at the same time, if we go back to these, some of these Bucks games that the Bulls play, Caruso was drawing the Giannis matchup as well. So, like, there's going to be direct assignments where, you know, Pat is guarding, uh, you know, Giannis one-on-one. But the, the, the Bucks like to run Giannis through ball screens quite often to the point where, you know, it, I think it was the last game the Bulls were playing, Pat was often switching off Giannis because Pat's not really good at getting around screens. And that was, you know... It's problematic, I suppose, but if you've got Caruso out there and he's the one in this switch situation or whatever it may be, then maybe you, you feel a little bit differently about it. But like that links into what we were discussing about you know not not playing these younger guys together um, as as a, or at least as least as you possibly can. There will be times when Billy has to have all three on the floor. You, you're trying to minimize that as, as much as you can because, like I said, if your eight man rotation is eight guys and three of those guys are young players who have never been here under 22 years of age, then ultimately there's no way you can get around a rotation where all three are off at one time. But if, you, if you've got Pat in the starting unit with the the senior guys, let's say, and then you've got Kobe and Io coming off the bench, then you have a little bit more room to massage the rotation from that standpoint. But, but to Will's point, like playing them all together at the same time is problematic for a number of reasons. And like even in the, you know, the final game of the season where Pat went off the reach 35 points, Io had a career high as well. Like, there was one play that sticks up, sticks into my mind where I was calling for the switch off ball. Pat didn't hear it or he didn't acknowledge it or whatever, but then they got a, you know, a backdoor cut and, and that was an easy layout for the Timberwolves in that game. Now, like that was a meaningless game, zero leverage at all. But if those are the type of the type of mistakes that exist in those moments, then what is possible in the playoff moments when you're pairing Io, Kobe and, and, and Pat? I, I just want to avoid that as much as possible for their sake, as much as the team's. Uh, Australian Bull in the comments said, imagine if Kobe has one of those hot months during the playoffs, one can dream, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that and, and Kobe maybe being an X factor a little bit later. Uh, we're also, uh, in just a minute, are going to talk about DeMar and his playoff career. But first, Big Dave, mm-hmm. give the people all the give clues the on how they can they have want. fun. I just made one guy point sing. I, I just want to point that out real quick. <laughs> I take full It's credit my favorite part of the show. <laughs> what are we Here's talking about sing. here? 
No, no. Here you sing. I take full credit for you singing. I take all the credit in the world for that, man. That just we'll see if I start freestyling when you're doing oh, this. Oh, <laughs> come on, it. Will. Listen, come on, man. Don't make me love you even more, man. All right? The if best the way Bulls, to support. The Bulls sweep the series, you might hear something. Damn. <laughs> I can't even get excited. <laughs> oh, man. The best way to support CHGO is to download the points bet app and use that code CHGO when you sign up. And if you do that right now, you will get two Uno Dos risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of that cool web content. And you'll even get a free T-shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, a free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker, and that's all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at points bet. Plus, also, for my man Parlay Peck, they got the live NBA same game parlay for the first time ever. You can build that perfect live NBA same game parlay only with points bet. You combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And if you want more, if Joey was here, he'd say, because I know you do, you can also bet. You can also boost your live same game parlays. You can watch live, parlay live, boost live, and partay live with points bet. And if you're in this beautiful, beautiful state of Illinois, you can download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish and do it all from your phone. You don't have to go outside in this weird, wacky weather. Shout out Johnny Carson. So what are you waiting for? Because once the game starts, you don't just bet. Will, please tell them what you do. You live your bet life. Oh. <sighs> you do it with points back download that app people uh shout out to uh broski bear in the comments who is <laughs> wow, the strong cynical cynical bulls fan of the hour saying what's there to examine bulls are gonna get smoked they don't match up well against the bucks cool then what are you doing here broski thanks what lot, are you bro. doing you know how many <laughs> videos there are on youtube get out of here <laughs> we're talking about the bulls if you don't want to listen don't listen freaking don't weirdo listen, don't Stay and listen to the ads. Do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, guys. So, obviously, the way I'm looking at this is DeMar needs to be Hercules DeMar for the Bulls Mm -hmm. to have any outside shot of the Bulls stealing this series. But I'm also assuming that because the Bucs know that, they're going to throw everything at DeMar. Because while they maybe proved a couple of times in some games down the stretch to finally flirt with figuring it out, We've seen how this Bulls team has struggled this season um, when teams throw traps at DeMar, when teams double DeMar. And I I don't have a whole lot of faith right now in anything other than that happening. So, I mean, and, and Will, you, you've kind of touched on this a bit in, in your war and peace length uh, playoff <laughs> primers, parts one and two, uh, which check that out at allchgo.com, y'all. It's um, very compelling. <laughs> but in a, but not in a boring way, in like a no. lots of words about bulls and bucks kind of way. How, how do you see the bucks handling DeMar here? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's really two schools of thought, right? It's like load up on DeMar and let everybody else beat you, get the ball out of DeMar's hands and make Io and Kobe and Patrick hit shots or let DeMar get his 40 and assume that the rest of the guys aren't going to hit shots anyway. And I think in the last couple, um, in the last couple games against the Bulls, the Bucks have really tried to stay with DeMar one-on-one, which as we all know is not something 
that teams have been doing for the most part, um, trying to get the ball out of hands by tra- out of his hands by trapping and making Vucevic be a playmaker from the free throw line area. Um, Wesley Matthews and Drew Holiday are spectacular defenders. We all know this, and I think what makes them so good at defending Demar is that they just stay connected to him whenever he goes over screens. So they push him out away from the elbow. Now he's like a little bit closer to the wing. It's a little bit harder for him to operate. He doesn't have quite as much space and he's a little farther from the basket where he, you know, is just kind of automatic. Um, So they've had a lot of success with that at the same time, DeMar scored 40 against them in the final game. So I think they're willing to live with DeMar trying to carry the bulls, um, which I think could lead to some big DeMar games because we know he can score one-on-one. But if he does start to have those 35, 40, 45, 50 point games, they're going to have no choice but to start to collapse onto him. So my guess would be they start straight up and then adjust as needed. Um, because I do think, and, and we can get into this more too, like DeMar feels like he has this narrative about him in the playoffs where mm. it's just like he's a loser because he ran into LeBron in like the conference semis and the conference finals three straight years. Like, I don't think there's any shame in that. We all, as Bulls fans, we all know that there is nothing wrong with losing to LeBron in the playoffs like that's going to happen so um i really do think demar is built to succeed in the playoffs he is great at the shots that defenses give you and if you look at his numbers here 2016 2017 2018 um obviously not quite where he is right now during his bull season but this is also the best season of his career so um you know he he definitely does not shy away from these kinds of matchups yeah, look, I don't even know how much those numbers are relevant, like or Demar's past failures or successes in the playoffs, and how, you know how relevant they are anymore. Because back then, 2016, 2017, like Demar's always been someone who likes to get to the mid range, but his efficiency in that area has just grown year on year to the point this season where it's damn near up fifty percent. And back though, back in those Raptors days, he was shooting you know low forties in that mid range area. So. He's not the same guy now as he was then and and in a better way for us. So I I don't know how relevant those previous failures are to this, you know, to this situation here. And and Demar's just a better player. So um, look, maybe he fails, maybe maybe that happens, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be connected to what has happened before. But I, I am expecting, as Will said, for them to run just one guy on him. And I'm actually expecting the Bucks to be like, all right, let's we'll let Demar cook. Just take everyone else out of the game. Let DeMar cook. Ultimately, they're going to trade two for three and the Bulls just won't be able to sort of stay with us in that sense. And, you know, for whatever reason, I went back and watched every single DeMar jumper or a field goal attempt that he had, you know, in these four games against the Bucks. And at the same time, like whilst he was making some of these jumpers, whilst he was in single coverage, to Will's point, like the defense the Bucks were actually playing on him was so damn good. But Demar was equally as good to, uh, in in the task itself, and he was just making some outrageous shots. So, like, I'm pretty sure that most teams, the Bucks included, are going to be fine with Demar taking these difficult mid range uh, jumpers. Uh, some of them uh, literally 20 feet away from the basket because the Bucks are really good keeping him out of the paint. If he, if Demar's going to take those shots, which he has been all season, so live by Demar, die by Demar in that sense, um, I think they're going to be pretty comfortable with that. To be honest with you, and, and another thing that I picked up was like. Drew was playing on him. Chris Middleton spent minutes on him. Wesley Matthews had minutes on him. Mm-hmm. They've got three or four guys that they could throw at DeMar as well. So I think they're going to be completely fine guarding DeMar one-on-one because they can send three or, three or four dudes on him um, throughout the game. So 
I don't know. It's 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 problematic in a sense, and maybe it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how we're analysing this in two weeks' time. But um, I think the Bulls are going to be very Demar centric, and I think the Bucks are going to like that. Yeah, I I agree with Marquet in saying like I don't even look at those numbers coming into this season. He is not the same player by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's like when he went to San Antonio, he that was like going to graduate school. And it, what he did was kind of learn, you know what I'm saying, how to use everyone else around him. And watching how the Bucks are kind of playing a Jordan Rules kind of defense uh, against DeMar DeRozan, just, you know, DeMar, you get off and, you know, we'll just shut everybody else down. It's more up to everybody else to hit those shots when DeMar, you know, is trying to find them. Uh, I think that's the biggest way to free him up, to allow him to do more of what he does. And because if, <clears throat> excuse me, if guys are hitting shots around him, they... <laughs> They can't play the same kind of defense that they want to, basically. It's really that simple. Um, and the other thing is, when you talked about – I was looking at his numbers on the road uh, against the Bucks, And, you know, one game, he, the first one he played, you know, incredibly great. And the second one, you know, just part of the onslaught that the Bucks were giving him. But the biggest thing that stood out to me was in that first game, he got to the line 18 times. And in that second game – and this, these are both games on the road. And in the, the second one – he didn't shoot one free throw. And that's incredibly crazy because DeMar DeRozan gets to the free throw line. You know that's how he does. So I think that's the biggest thing here. Um, and I'm interested to see how he approaches that going against um, two, as you mentioned, two great defenders in Wesley Matthews and Drew Holiday. And Holiday more so because Holiday does a great job of defending you tough without fouling you. But Wesley Matthews can be a guy who gets into foul trouble, who can, you know, We've seen it over over the years in his career. He can be that kind of guy. So I'm wondering if DeMar attacks it and approaches it that kind of way, that if he's got Wesley on him, he kind of looks for the foul a little bit more. And against Drew Holiday, he looks for the bucket, if that if that makes a little more sense. Um, but, yeah, he bottom line, though, I agree with what everybody is saying. He's got to be that guy. It has to be DeMar DeRozan. If they're treating you like the Jordan rules, then you got to go be Jordan. Yeah, and, and we, I go ahead, Will. I was going to say, we, we've talked a lot about like winning the battle of the margins, right? And I think that's exactly it, is you need to be able to get above your average at Auden free throws. Um, and he has those games where he had 18, he has those games where he has none. Uh, the fact that the Bucks are so long and good at defending the rim, I think that probably plays into their hand in terms of keeping him off the free throw line. Um, mm. But that is a huge area where the Bulls could, you know, chip away at, sort of the Bucks' advantage where he's getting to the line a lot, you're getting a lot of easy looks, and also potentially getting their better defenders in foul trouble. Yeah, I think the free throw thing is going to be huge. Um, because like that is a crazy, crazy disparity between him getting to the free throw line 18 times in, in one Milwaukee game and then zero in the other. And the zero in the other, we heard from, from DeMar and his coach, Billy Donovan, after that game being like, uh what <laughs> and look we've, we've seen DeMar get frustrated at times on no calls throughout the season but we've also seen the season-long story being that while some players parentheses James Harden Trey Young have been really frustrated this season in some of the slight tweaks that officials have made as far as what constitutes a foul and what doesn't the cheap shot stuff that they're trying to eliminate or the, the cheap mm -hmm. foul stuff that they're trying to eliminate DeMar was still drawing his fouls and still getting to the free throw line because what he was doing was just beating guys on pump fakes and getting them to bite, getting them in the air, uh, or them coming into his landing space once he goes up for a shot. 
and and all of that can still happen. But I'm very curious to see how these first couple of games in Milwaukee are officiated, and if if it starts to go in a way that is Demar feels like he should have gotten a call a few times down the floor and doesn't get those calls, if that pulls him out of his game, because mm-hmm. as a credit, like the Bulls are in the playoffs because Demar Derozan, like that's a, that's a simple fact. But we've also seen plenty of examples this season when a frustrated Demar who didn't get a call he thought he earned cost the Bulls two easy points the other direction, and like that mm-hmm. that that would be frustrating to watch in a playoff series. Well, what's made it hard for me to really analyze this series is the the absence of Brook Lopez, and mm. it's connected to this topic because for three of these four games, Brook Lopez didn't play. And, and because of that, the way the Bucs played defense was very different in those first three games to, to maybe the, the last game. At least, like, you know, the, the way they mix up their defense. So when Brooke Lopez is in there, you're going to have more of a drop coverage type thing going on there. When Bobby Portis is out there in search, maybe they're playing a little bit more aggressive in, in, in their pick and roll coverages. Now, how does that impact certain things? Like, if, if it's Brooke Lopez protecting the paint, dropping back, and then you've got single coverage whereby, you know, Drew or a Wesley Matthews is guarding Demar one on one, and as we've sort of talked about, have done a really good job staying connected in with Demar, whether it's in ISOs, whether it's coming off picks, whatever that may be. Like Demar battling that single coverage, and then having to get past that dude only to then run into Brook Lopez, who is a fantastic rim protector. Like that—that's to me is a, a very different calculus to the point where maybe it influences how effective Demar is more generally, let alone the free throw line. So. That's made it really difficult for me to really judge how the Bulls are going to have any success against this team at all because he's such a huge weapon for 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 the box on both sides of the ball. But for defensively, like it just changes everything they do on defense to the point where Giannis can now be a free safety type guy whereby you've got Brooker on the back line. So, you know, if we're talking about DeMar being the, the sole focus point, maybe we see the Bucs having more guys stunting off their man like a Giannis onto a DeMar. So that DeMar's beating, trying to beat like a Wesley Matthews, trying to uh, navigate through Giannis, you know, stunting over all whilst having, you know, Brook Lopez on the back line. I don't know. Like it's, it's, a, it's a recipe for disaster, I think, in a sense that if the Bulls go too DeMar-centric, but based on how the entire season has played out at this point, um, I, I, I can't expect them to do anything different because that's ultimately what's got them here. So it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, but to me, like Brooke Lopez really is the key to the series. I think if you're going to make that comment about sort of the, the imbalance of these four games where the first two were close and the second two were blowouts. Um, and you look at like who was available. Uh, the Bucks had, their big three in the first two games, Chris Middleton sat out the second game, and then they were whole with Brooke Lopez in that final game. Uh, Zach Levine only played two of these games. Mm-hmm. Um, Caruso obviously played one of them, uh, you know, half of one of the games with a broken wrist and then missed, uh, I believe, one, if not two more. So I, I do think the Bulls, like, you know, if the, if the Bucks really do decide that they want to collapse on DeMar and especially if that is Giannis playing at the five where he's they're kind of like relying on him to be able to crowd the paint and then also use his like 14.7 foot wingspan to get back out and guard like the Bulls at this point have Vooch and Zach Levine like every game where hopefully the three-point shooting is there and I think that you can sort of make them pay in that way but um 
to me, that's another huge, huge variable in this series is like, do the Bulls shoot enough threes and can they make them? Mm. No. <laughs> there's, there's my simple answer. God. Um, no. I, I, that, this, this Bull team has gone ice cold in the, the final third of the season. Who knows? Maybe they'll pick game one in Milwaukee to finally decide that everybody on this team can make threes, but if that doesn't so happen. Huge. Yeah, you're right. That's That's so huge and that kind of plays to the importance of the backcourt of the Bulls, you know, which coming into the season was pretty much the, one of their strengths. Um, it's now like, I don't, it's not a, not necessarily a strength for them anymore. And that's going to be huge. Um, as far as when you're talking about guys mentioned uh, Kobe, who I'm sure we'll get into and IO and even Caruso, you know, to knock down those threes and even Vooch as well to knock down those threes when they're available to them, man, because that's going to free up so much if they're able to do that. Um, but yeah, they they have to like they they don't have a choice if they want to win this game and they or not just game but series. And I felt dirty saying that, but <laughs> even if they want to win this series, um, that's that's what's going to have to happen. That backcourt is going to have to step up as far as that three point shooting is concerned. And it sounds kind of obvious too, right? Because at the end of the day, we're boiling this statement down to like Demar has to play really well, and then also everybody <laughs> else has to play really well. Right. That's like that's true. Like everybody yeah. needs to play well because they're at a deficit in terms of talent, in terms of experience, in terms of defensive potential and ability uh they need to have everything go right for them and that means making shots and like rule guys stepping up and vooch not going three of 19 the way he went in mm -hmm. game four like they just they can't have those games or of course it's going to be a blowout mm -hmm. uh, funny question from mark here how do you guys feel about during the offseason the bulls packaging vooch and kobe for go bear i heard jay will talking about it today Oh, yeah. oh, you heard Oh, you heard Jay Will talking about it. Well, then it must be true. Also, the Bulls called me today and offered me courtside seats for their first home playoff game for free. All really? kinds of crazy things can happen. I'll say this. Um, I am a, a big fan of the old trade machine. Love it. Love trade talk. Uh, <laughs> well, the button turns about... green, so that means the trade has to go through. Right, right Will? <laughs> but my point is, it's, it's very fun to make trades. I always think it's good to think about sort of uh, improving on the roster here. But, like, we're out of the playoffs for the first time in five years. Let's – even though even if you think they're going to get swept, like, let's enjoy the moment for, for the next two weeks. Yeah. yeah Shout but, out to uh, yeah. Blorange Tears. <laughs> Mark's not ready for that. Chat, who said, great job, guys. Let's go, Knicks. Man, Knicks fans are already bored. Wow. Hey, we'll, well, we'll take hanging out with money. us. We'll, 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 we'll gladly take your money. Um, <laughs> all right, we're, we're going to move on to some of these X factors, and, and we're going to talk about Kobe a little bit more uh, in just a second. But one more quick reminder for y'all that you should be using that PointsBet app if you aren't already, because it's a lot of fun, and it'll come along with a lot of perks. And if you enjoy CHGO, it's a great way to support us and help us grow. So download that PointsBet app, and when you do, make sure you use promo code CHGO. Not only are you getting those two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, like that playoff rotation breakdown that Will and Mark did, like Will's playoff primers, parts one and two, like the amazing column Big Dave wrote yesterday, telling all y'all so to good. look on the bright side of life because we all remember where we were and the peck <laughs> pecking order, which will drop tomorrow. Uh, plus, all of that great content covering all of your other favorite Chicago teams. Plus, you're going to get that free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker, plus access to our members-only Discord chats. 
If you have any questions, just email pointsbet at allchgo.com. We will help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available now in Illinois. You can download the app right now. Register your PointsBet account from start to finish all from your phone. And then make some parlays like me and have fun doing it. Make some money. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Hit a a parlay. Hit a parlay on uh, one of the playing games last night. Feel pretty good about that. And uh, can't wait. Can't wait for so. So it's tomorrow, right? Friday night, we get the uh, conclusion, the loser versus winner for for both conferences to figure out the eight seeds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of NBA schedules, we now know what the Bulls is. Let's let's take a quick look at that before we get to X factors. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't like this schedule. I'm just going to (laughs) say it. Okay. especially out of the gate, because game one, you got a Sunday night and then you got to wait two days in between games one and two. So, Will, the Bulls are going to go up to Milwaukee, play game one, come back to Chicago, and then go back up to Milwaukee. Is that right? Yeah, so their plan is to drive up Sunday morning for the game on Sunday afternoon at 5.30 Central, come back that night, stay in their own beds, have practice Monday and Tuesday, and then head back up after practice on Tuesday to Milwaukee, play the late game on Wednesday, which is really the worst part about this whole thing, especially from a beat reporter perspective where this game doesn't start until 8.30 and we're going to be up till 1 a.m. getting quotes. Um, thank you, Joey. And then head back to Chicago on Thursday morning for the Friday-Sunday matchups. Ugh. You know, when I was looking at this, guys... <laughs> I thought about, <clears throat> excuse me, how far this team has come because I remember, you know, the Bulls in the 90s when they would play on those holidays and stuff like Easter, we were excited. He was like, oh, yeah, Bulls playoff games, stuff going on at Easter. And now it's like I see it on Easter. I'm like, oh, man, Bulls playoff game on Easter. Oh, man. <laughs> so, but I'm still excited. I, I'm I'm really excited to watch this game and see how it turns out. But, yeah, like the times are, are weird and different. Um this just reminds you that Milwaukee is the defending champs. So you're going to get some primetime games. Uh, some people definitely complained about the Bulls not getting primetime coverage. Uh, well, they're going to see you <laughs> whether you like it or not now. Uh, you're going to get a look at it, man. But, you know, but yeah, bottom line, I'm, I'm still ready to watch this, though. Broski Bear, I didn't say that I thought the schedule was <laughs> like unfairly favoring Milwaukee. I just said I didn't like the schedule. <laughs> Man, Broski Bear is all on you today, man. Broski Bear, chill out, dude. What? Can I- tell me how? Tell me how the Bulls are going to win this series. Uh, I didn't say that they were, and no, thank you. My God. Well, can I just say, I don't want to listen to any Americans complaining about any freaking star time about any of these games. Like, yeah, what are you going to do for the one p.m. Central? Well, I, was, time? I, was, I was just 12, about to say, like, twelve p.m. Central start time for. Yeah, it's, it's one p.m. Eastern, which is three a.m. my time. We've got Australian Bull in the comments as well. Like, he and I are getting up at three a.m. to watch Game Four. That's brutal. Mm. I don't want to hear William about you having to, you know, start a game at nine thirty, and you're, <laughs> it's going to impact your beat schedule or anything like that. I don't care, mate. I don't. I don't care. Just shut up. Till the game is right. on, when the games are on, you'll enjoy it. It's going to be prime time, Bulls. So uh, just no whining. And shout I'm out just... to all the European basketball fans out there, particularly yeah. Bulls fans. Like those dudes are up at three, four a.m. in the morning. Like for me, and an Australian bull in the comments here. 
like it's not so bad like some of these games are on like midday for us or around that time we've got that one howler that's at, at 3 a.m but i mean the the european bulls fans they, they do it tough so you know see red uk is in the mentions like shout out to these dudes they're, they're the real uh the real diehards because they're they're up at god awful hours so um yeah americans just just shut up that's that's my main <laughs> rant for the day uh yeah no i think you're 100 correct on that correct those, those bulls fans were there's just, literally no arguing that those, those bulls no. fans in 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 the uk who are like tweeting like at tip off like let's go and i'm like it's one in the morning where you are and you're about to be up for the next three hours watching a basketball game them people crazy um mm. last note on that schedule a week from today friday game three back in chicago we will be doing a live watch party uh, at a bar somewhere near our West Loop studios. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for our final official announcement on what bar that will be. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Me and David are be hanging out. Down? Mark, are you coming? Where you? Mark's coming, right? <laughs> I don't know. You're going to beat me in. Can I? Can I? Can I get in on Zoom or somehow? <laughs> but no, I won't. I won't be coming to this. Maybe. Maybe next next season. Maybe. maybe oh, cut out the maybe. Cut out the yeah. maybe. You're coming next season. That's yeah, happening. We'll start a, we'll start a GoFundMe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, shout out to Marius in the uh, wow, in the look comments at all here. these international fans. This is amazing. I mean, we, we, we've got plenty of international Bulls fans. Like, Marius is in, in Lithuania, rather, and it's 2 a.m. there. He's not even watching a Bulls game, he's watching us here on CHGO Bulls. Wow. So, like, that's what I'm saying. These Europeans, man, and then you shout, guys out, are shout out to Ruben in Kenya who's watching games at 3 a.m. Like, yeah, man. these people, man, they're, they're, they're the diehards. International fan base and the biggest international fan base by far, hands mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Um, okay, guys, potential swing players, X factors. Let's start with Kobe. I saw some Kobe optimists in the comments saying, like, Kobe's gonna like drill a bunch of threes. And look, Kobe did maybe pull himself out of his slump in the second half of that meaningless blowout to the Hornets, whatever that was, the second last game of the season where he like drilled six of his seven threes or whatever. I'm just saying this right now. I have zero faith in Kobe White being an X factor who could help the Bulls steal a game let alone win this series i just i i'm all i am i am natalie abruglia i am all out of faith this is how i feel i'm cold <laughs> i'm shamed lying naked on the floor hoping that kobe white could be useful for us that's it that's where i am are you saying you're torn is that yes yes <laughs> i got the reference <laughs> does, that, does anybody disagree with me i have no faith uh, i mean kobe if you're if you're series. Banking on Kobe White in general, if you're banking on Kobe White to win you a playoff game, you're probably not in a great position. Uh, The Bulls, I mean, it speaks to the larger question of like who of the role players is going to step up. And I think Kobe has the most potential to hit threes out of anybody. So I get it. Uh, I'm not super optimistic on that either, but I do think as a group, they need to shoot the ball well. And I I think that's Kobe has kind of become the, the focal point symbol of that. I, I don't feel exactly how Matt feels. <laughs> Not exactly how it, because I mean, because Kobe, he's a shooter, okay. And the one thing he said that I liked, and at the same time didn't like, but I liked it, is when he was going two of twenty-eight, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't even worry about that. You know, I just concern myself with the next one." You know, I like that mindset, but at the same time, like, dude, you're two for 28. Like, you got to think about it. Also, like, he he says that, but I'm not sure he actually believes that. You yeah. know, like, no way. But I feel there's like, no he, way that's not affecting I feel him. like he believes that more this year than any other year, though, honestly. Like, because honestly, you could kind of see it on the floor, him, it bothering him when he would yeah. go on those mm-hmm. stretches. This year, I don't see it bothering him his entire game as much uh, on the floor this year. But 
yeah, he kind of pulled himself out of that, you know, slump that he was in. And I think the one thing he has going for him is he really got nothing to lose. Like, and he's got no pressure on him. Like, you know, you just let him fly, you know what I mean, up there. And they're going to give you plenty of open space because I'm sure that they're not going to be thinking about uh, Kobe White or, or a lot of the Bulls, you know, as far as their shooting is concerned. So he'll have an opportunity to, you know, redeem himself and prove a lot of people wrong. And he's right. Shooters can get hot, man. Shooters shoot. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and look for me. We started this 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 show talking about the rotations or what the the minutes may be, and we and we talked about you know Billy leaning heavily on Demar and Zach. So if that's the case, if those two dudes are playing forty plus minutes, then ultimately, you know, Io and Kobe presumably aren't going to be playing much because we're hoping Pat and Caruso are playing as much as possible too. So to that point, like in terms of X factors and swing factors, these sorts of things. I don't know if we should even consider Kobe because he may not even be playing that many minutes. And if he is playing that a, a lot of minutes, then that means one of Demar or Zach is probably off the floor. Or if it's not one of those guys and it's Caruso or Pat, which is not ideal either. So to me, the biggest swing factor, or even just, just thinking about shooting, it, it's entirely about, about Booch. This is, this is where it's, it starts for me. Um, and, you know, it, maybe I'm um, on brand here in terms of, you know, speaking about Vucevic, but like... In, Thinking about the way the Bucks defend as well, we talked about Brook Lopez, him being a drop-top center. The way the Bulls can open up the floor, the way the Bulls can get a little bit of an X-factor going is if, is if Vooch has a series where he's hitting 45, you know, maybe even 50% of his threes on good volume. That's what I want to see. I know our friend Will Perdue was talking about posting up uh, Vooch in the last episode, but I'm uh, very much in opposition to that thought. So, to me, like if, if Vooch is like taking five, six, seven threes a game and he's hitting four of them, then what does that mean for the rest of the team? Like, not not only are you racking up extra points from the three point line, but we, we, when we we're talking about before about Demar and the way that the the Bucks have to guard Demar, it changes how they guard Demar if if Vooch is above the break knocking down these threes, even if Vooch, if Vooch is in the corner. So to me, Vooch is the key to this series. I know he had a really good series against the Bucks a couple of years back when he was with the Magic. But um, he's, in, he's in a different role right now. He needs to be a shooter. He needs to drain shots. I know he hasn't done that all season, but that's the right methodology. So that's the way the Bulls need to play. And I'm hoping he can have a series from behind the three-point line because I don't, I don't think they can rely on Kobe to come off the bench and just you know, th- uh, drill, drill threes because I'm not really expecting Kobe to play that much. So it has to be Vooch. He's the swing factor in this series for me. Yeah, I would totally agree with all of that uh you stole it right out of my piece so if you're interested in hearing more you can go read uh no but seriously like the i think the the points part is is great but the the way that the floor is spaced out when your center is pulling the opposing center away from the basket completely changes the amount of room that damar will have that zach will have to drive and if we're talking about a team that basically doesn't allow shots at the rim if you're now removing the center from the rim, you're opening up those shots at the rim. And now we're talking about free throw attempts. And now we're talking about spraying the ball out to shooters uh, where help has to come. And now they're in rotation and you're moving it around the perimeter and getting open shots. So um, Mark said it at the very beginning of the year, we did like a season preview podcast for, for Bulls HQ. And he said, Vooch was the most important player on this team. And I think we're going to see why that's true is like mm. the the team can reach a certain floor with the way that Vooch has played this year, right? Like 45 wins is probably as good as they could be with Vooch playing the way that he has been playing. If he starts playing at, at the level that 
you know, we think he can uh, at the level that he has in the past, that completely changes what this offense can look like. And I think all of that starts with those above the breakthroughs. So that's a big one for me. And then the other would be just, I mean, we kind of addressed it here too, is like, you're already backs against the wall, right? Like you're at a disadvantage in all these different ways. Uh, And I wonder how attached to whatever identity that they have, Billy will try to try to be. Will he say, we're going down with these Damar elbow jumpers? Or if we get down in this series, are we going to try something weird, try to throw them off and just try to like steal a game by being really aggressive and forcing them to adapt to us as opposed to trying to play Tristan Thompson at four so you can be big. Um, I think at the end of the day, you're not going to beat the Bucks playing their game. You're probably not even going to beat them playing your own game because they're just simply too good. So you have to find other creative ways to attack them. And I don't know what that is. That's Billy's job to figure out. Um, I'll probably write down some ideas at some point here soon, but I think they need to just get really weird and try creative stuff. What about uh, banking on some some friendly fire, some self-inflicted wounds? Like maybe maybe Grayson accidentally trips one of his own teammates, like maybe a key teammate like Drew or, or Middleton. And, uh, you know, and, and then the Bucks just self-implode because they got that piece of shit playing for him. That's 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 my X factor in this series. Grayson Allen implodes the Bucks because he's doing dumb shit out there. That's it. That's the only chance I'm giving the Bulls to win this series. That and like biochemical warfare. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Just like trying to get them all COVID sick and then none of their stars can play. (laughs) Got dark real quick. (laughs) Yeah. I I just want to say, Peck, like you were letting Grayson Allen defeat you. Like he's constantly on your Mm. mind. This isn't healthy. Like you need to to let this just die because this is bad for your own health. And you're letting Grayson Allen beat you right now. He's not, he's never, he will never beat me. He has not beat me. He will never he beat will me. Never beat I am me. happy living my life. Talk about sports all day. I got great friends. I got great fam. I'm a diehard sports fan who hates that guy. But he imagine has, all like, that without him thinking about him. Like imagine. No, all. because I like, because when he finally gets that karma, kicking him <laughs> in the head, because I will have been calling him out this whole time it will feel that much better it'll be vindication that is sorely needed even the little mini vindications like djj and booch putting him on his ass that's not him like living rent free in my head that's me enjoying karma happening but it has not been fully Uh. karma'd and therefore i will continue living my happy awesome life waiting for his ass to get fully karma that's it (laughs) Do you know what this is like? This is like in those superhero movies where like the guy's trying to get revenge and then someone comes in like that, that guy that's trying to come in and just like be like, don't, don't, don't kill this guy. It's, it's beneath you to kill this guy. Like, this is kind of how I feel like this Peck conversation is going. Like if this was a superhero movie, like Peck would just like tell me to get fucked and basically kill that, kill that bad guy in anyways <laughs> and get like complete satisfaction doing so. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe you are living your best life. Your bad life even by doing this. Let's do a 10 day. No, Marque, that was awesome watching you play the role of me in those situations. Cause that's really what out of body experience. <laughs> that was Dave. that was awesome. That was really trippy watching that. That was crazy. Hey, Blurnch Tears. Blurnch Tears. Says Thank I like you. this channel. Let's go, Nick. I'm a Bears fan. Well, thanks for hanging. You can, maybe, you know, hey, it's it's tough sledding for, for Knicks fans right now. How's uh, how's how's Tibbs doing? You guys fire him yet, or is he still hanging on? <laughs> Practice uh, at will. 
Yeah, uh, for real. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so guys, uh, we got two more days and then mm-hmm. game one. And it's going to feel painfully long because it's like we're just waiting and waiting. And we've known that this has been the series that the Bulls have drawn for days now. And I guess like that's that's the downside. The, the upside is that all of the Bulls who are actually going to put on jerseys and go play get a week mm-hmm. of rest. Meanwhile, yeah. us fans just have to sit here and twiddle our thumbs and talk about it over and over until we're blue in the face. Um, so hopefully y'all enjoy the fact that that's what we've been doing this week. Um, again, one last reminder to get yourself that CHGO membership if you don't already have it so you can get all this amazing written content from Will, from Mark, from Big Dave that's uh, been out there this week breaking down this playoff series from every possible angle. Plus, you're going to get that CHGO shirt and access to our Discord channels. Um, we will keep you posted on the official announcement of where we will be for our Game 3 watch party. Anybody and everybody of Bulls Nation is welcome to come hang out with us. Um, first Bulls home playoff game in a long time, and we want to enjoy it with you, our fellow Bulls fans. Um, and we'll we'll work on getting Mark that first-class ticket out here just in time for the party. <laughs> in the meantime, you can follow all of us on Twitter. Mark's at MK Hoops. Won't Gottlieb for the GOAT. Bow, B-A-W-L Sports for Big Dave on Bulls underscore Peck. We collectively are CHGO underscore Bulls. Any final words, gentlemen? Let's go! (laughs) Yeah, this is our, I think this is our last show before the pregame for the first game. So uh, we'll we'll talk soon, but I'm excited. Let's try to, you know, live live in the moment a little bit. Enjoy the ride here. They had a great season. Let's let's enjoy the playoffs. Yeah, and to that point, um, I wanted to say that I was really I don't know if proud is the right word, but when I was reading your thing, Dave, up, up on the website, like one, I was just happy to see you like writing something that was cool. But I think you know, for someone like me who's typically a glass half empty type person, I like to categorize myself as a realist, but some disagree. Like to me, like reading that was refreshing because you know thinking about all the negative moments that we've had over the last four or five seasons and whilst you know you know in my mind current mindset right now I'm, I'm probably a negative bulls fan based on the how the last couple of months have gone like i found your piece really refreshing because heading into the playoffs we should be jubilant we should be excited and, and i've struggled with that over the last couple of weeks and months to be honest with you so if people haven't already i would implore them to go read dave's um piece that he put up on the website uh, it's relevant to now. It, it's cool to see Dave writing stuff, but um, it, it makes you appreciate what this season has been, um, particularly for people like me who maybe get lost in the minutiae and just thinking about the last couple, last couple of weeks, last couple of months, and maybe missing the bigger picture. So that would be my uh, parting message as uh, as we're waiting for Game One to arrive. Amen. Thank you. Man. Well Thank you, said. Uh, we are out of here. Thanks everybody for listening and watching. Subscribe to the CHGO Sports YouTube channel if you aren't already. Hit that thumbs up. If you like today's episode, we appreciate it. It helps us out a lot for Will and Mark and Big Dave. Matt, till next time. See Red, be good. <laughs>